Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. To tell in Nuanas on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Missoula. Southeast Missouri, Coulter, 12th in the nation. Coming to Bozeman, Montana. And play the Montana State Bobcats in the Bobcat home opener. No rest for the weary. You go Texas Tech, Southeast Missouri. Significant uh, for the uh, home opener for the Bobcats and a major, major game uh, for Montana State as well. We'll hear from Jeff Choate in a moment, but Coulter, well, you looked at the schedule. I think everybody looked and kind of keyed in on Texas Tech and go, oh, boy, big deal, you know, all that. And it is, and it's great. Okay, that game's over now. It is. This is tough now. Back-to-back weeks for Montana State, but especially this home opener against Southeast Missouri. No doubt. And uh, Southeast Missouri was a, a really good team last year. They won a playoff game against Stony Brook, who's always been a traditionally hard-nosed team from Long Island. And, uh, they I mean, they, they have some stars. I mean, the linebacker, Zach Hall, he is definitely one of the best in the country. I mean, anybody that watched Montana last year, they saw exactly how explosive and, and how prolific that Dante Olson was. And Zach Hall outless, outlasted Dante Olson for the Buck Buchanan Award. He had 168 tackles. <laughs> he had 10 more tackles than Dante Olson. Granted, played in two playoff games. So yeah. he had a little bit, uh, a couple of extra chances to pad his stats. But the 
the statistics that are striking for Southeast Missouri State are, number one, they had the most takeaways in all of college football. 36 takeaways. 23 picks. 13 forced fumbles. That's amazing. It is stunning. With 36, did you say? 36. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, I mean, we're talking 11 games, man. You're over three turnovers a game. I mean, if you had three turnovers in a game, you would go, that was big time. That was, that was the right. game. And to average that, right. more than that, that's crazy. And it's not just like, I mean, a couple of years ago, Patrick Alwasser had one of the great single seasons in FCS history. He had nine picks during the regular season. They had a pick in the playoffs for Portland State. He finished second in the Defensive Player of the Year voting. That was the one year it wasn't called the Buck Buchanan Award. It was the year the Tyrone Holmes won it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having a guy that has 10 pads or stats a little bit, they have no guy on their team that had more than four. But they had five different players that had four, including their two best linebackers. So they have mm-hmm. two linebackers snaring four picks, and both those guys forced four fumbles, too. So now you've got eight takeaways each between Justin Swift and Zach Hall. And that's not to mention your a couple of your interior defensive linemen that forced some fumbles, your DBs that have multiple. There was multiple DBs with multiple picks. I mean, their stat chart is impressive. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, you, you can always tell the one thing that I, the one of the things I love about covering the FCS is I think that quarterback play, but more importantly, the maturity of the player playing the quarterback position is on more full display because you can be such a man amongst boys if you have the talent and the mentality at the FCS level than any other level of football. If you have a guy who is a a polished but more importantly tough minded guy he stands out for his intangibles right away, even if you're just watching him on TV, even if you never talk to the kid. And Daniel Santa Canaria, who's one of, the, one of the great names, I love that name, but he's a Northern Illinois transfer, but I remember watching him against Stony Brook in the playoffs and thinking, oh, who's this guy? This guy's pretty, this guy's pretty sweet. And then this, his command of the game, his command of everything about the game, from the huddle to the enthusiasm to the way that he's operating – before the snap and after the snap, it, it was striking. And uh, he's, their, he's their guy. He, he is the straw that stirs the drink for SEMO. And that's going to be the key for Montana State when they're facing Southeast Missouri State's offense. Uh, a lot of people, again, maybe not familiar with Southeast Missouri and, and you know who they are as a team and where they're from and all that, but one of those people is not Jeff Choate. Story time from the head coach of the Montana State Bobcats. Uh, coach Matukowicz has done an awesome job. I mean, this guy's... He's a ball coach, man. I just love looking at his resume. You know, kind of a guy that's been was with Jerry Kill a long time. He started out, you know, Division II, junior college, NAIA, FCS, FBS, gets his opportunity to be a head coach. And uh, I just have a ton of respect for the job that he's done there. He's been there six years, and they've gotten better and better and better each year. It's not necessarily a place that's uh, easy to get to. Uh, Cape Girardeau is kind of an interesting place. It's a nice place. And uh, I had an opportunity. I used to recruit the Jayhawk League. The one year I was at Eastern Illinois, I recruited the Jayhawk, which is the Kansas Junior College League. So I drove over and did the Jayhawk schools. And, you know, this will date me a little bit, but uh, we were playing Southeast Missouri and Cape Girardeau the next week. And so I drove back and met one of their assistant coaches at the riverboat so we could, you know, play a couple hands of blackjack and exchange VHS tapes as I made my way back to Charleston, Illinois. Just getting on there to play blackjack and exchange VHS tapes. I mean, this is too good. It's too good, man. And there's there's so many different little towns throughout America. Like, who who ever heard of Cape Girardeau? But after listening to that, 
If I can go play blackjack on the riverboat, I want to go. I feel like Cape Girardeau's famous for some reason. Well, I mean, I, mean, I think it's because of the riverboats. I think it's a big port. Is that the deal? I mean, I think, okay. I think that that's where the Mississippi comes through. Well, it would be ironic if it was called Cape something and wasn't a port of some sort, <laughs> right? Indeed. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, very good. Uh, we will have, like I said earlier, we're going to have a lot more from, from Coach Choate about, like you could hear when he was talking uh, uh, about, Coach, am I going to do this? Maturkowitz? Yeah, they call him Coach Tuke. I like that. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, with Coach Tuke and about this this Southeast Missouri program, um, it's not just coach speak. Like you could hear the genuine admiration that 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 Jeff Choate has for this club, for the way that they're coaching, for the way that they go about it, and uh, and there's a lot more sound about this team, and we're going to get to that tomorrow uh, and Friday as we kind of preview this game going forward. But we wanted to give you a little feel, at least, about uh, you know Southeast Missouri and and uh, Jeff Choate trafficking in the uh, you know in the blackjack world. Well, I do think that both Bobby Houck and Jeff Choate both have a distinct understanding of the advantages that are provided to them by being at the schools that they are at. A lot of a lot of t- coaches, that's, that's sort of lost on them or they don't want to acknowledge it because they know that'll give them way too high expectations. I think that's one thing that every Cat and Grizz fan should take solace in is that I think that both the men that run these programs have a full embrace of the expectation of excellence. Mm. And I think that they I think that fully weighs upon their shoulders and they are, they are willing to carry that load. Yeah. The one thing I think is is I impressed about Jeff Choate is that he, I mean, if, if we've been playing him on the show now for a couple of years. You can tell that the guy thinks very in depth about every single thing that you can think about. He, he, you know, he had, he had Tukowitz's resume memorized. Yeah. But Jeff Choate is very aware of the disparity in advantages in the FCS. I think when you're in the power five, sometimes it gets, it gets washed over because everybody's got money. Right. And sure. You know, Clemson and Alabama and Florida might have more money. But, you, I mean, like the facilities at Washington compared to what they're like at Utah State or Eastern Illinois, is just it's so night and day. But then also when you talk about you have – you're Jeff Chill, You're sitting at Montana State. You have Bozeman, Montana to recruit to. You have this high research institution of, of higher learning that has STEM majors. You know, I mean, it's – you have a lot of stuff to sell if you can just get the kids to get on the plane and get off the plane. That's it. Chances are, if they come to Bozeman, they're going to be pretty impressed. And it's the same thing with Missoula. It's a great college town. But I think that Jeff Cho always does a great job of giving respect where respect is due because no one's won at Southeast Missouri State. And when you really look at all the, the pluses and minuses, sure, you, you have a, recru- a fertile recruiting ground. I mean, you can drive to St. Louis and have a population base of 4 million people right there. So that gives you a little bit of an advantage. And you don't necessarily maybe have the, the high-level academic standards of a school like Montana State. But on the flip side, you're at an outpost school that has, you know, a, a very limited, if non-existent, football tradition. So all things considered, making the playoffs at a school like Southeast Missouri State is an impressive, impressive accomplishment. They've only made the playoffs twice. It's not like where you're at the University of Montana where you made the playoffs 25 times. Or you're at Montana State where you made the playoffs more often than you haven't since the FCS was created. So I was. I just think it's, it's 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 a it's classy of Jeff Choate to always acknowledge just the, the challenges that he realizes that some of these other programs that aren't state institutions like Montana, Montana State go through, and he always gives credit where credit's due to the guys that do build impressive programs like Coach Tuke has done at Southeast Missouri State. By the way, I said twelve. They're actually eleven in this week's stats poll. Okay, and they uh, are coming off a win 
uh, over the Salukis of Southern, Southern Illinois, Illinois yeah. uh, 44-26 victory. Uh, so they'll they'll head to Montana State with a 1-0 record. Top of the hour is here. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Do you want tickets to the Grizz Northern Alabama football game? We're going to give away a pair. Who did the best caption on our Facebook page, on our picture? We'll tell you next. Well, hello there, my friends. Ryan Tutel here, and you probably know that Blackfoot is a local partner for internet, voice, and professional services that helps businesses just like yours all around the state of Montana, but maybe you don't know just how much they're actually doing. You couldn't even imagine how many miles, yes, miles, like hundreds of miles of fiber optic cable they are laying across the state of Montana, and specifically now in Bozeman and the Gallatin Valley near St. Ignatius and several other regions to increase the connectivity and speed in which we can communicate to that of light. That's right, fiber optics, they work with light. Did you know that? Quite a lesson. If you want to go study it, I encourage you to do so. Hey, go visit GoBlackfoot.com and see what it is that they're up to. I think you'll be amazed at all of the work that is being done just so that we can talk quickly with each other and do things like, I don't know, listen to a Tutel Nuanas podcast. 866-541-5000 to give them a call or online at GoBlackfoot.com. You can click the link in the description while you're listening and just check out what they're up to. Support the ones who support us, Blackfoot. We asked you delivered. I enjoyed this one. I must say, I thought there was, I thought there was a dozen plus very good responses and a lot of great ones across the board. Who gave the best caption though? Who's going to the Grizzly North Alabama game? We'll tell you in a moment. It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy, and online at kurtzpolaris.com. You can find us on the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. There you can listen via the Listen Live tab. It's called a stream, and it's there thanks to Opportunity Bank. Your local bank, your opportunity. If you missed anything in the show, check it out on the podcast. Podcast is always available. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Two Tell Nuanas podcast. Rate it, review it, subscribe to it, like it, click on the things, all those things. And uh, it is brought to us by the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Coulter, uh, we uh, put a picture up on the Facebook page. Now, it's hard uh, on the uh, uh, medium of radio uh, and uh, on television without the actual picture to allow people to appreciate what it is. So if you want to know what the picture is or what it looks like, you can go on to our Facebook page, uh, slash ESPN Missoula, and check it out. Uh, but essentially, it's uh, us at a remote broadcast we did earlier this year at Red's Bar. Uh, and uh, we had a child who was there, a listener, friend, brought in uh, their baby to hang out for with a while. For a while, I don't know if we were just being used for uh, our uh, babysitting skills. You know, I'm always looking for those, those you know, where you're like, oh, yeah, you can hang out with my kids, you know, pawn them off for a while. I, I don't minutes. know about these things yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm usually on the receiving end of it. Yeah, that. well, I'm, I'm telling you, basically, I'm, I'm using you. It's great. I mean, Coulter, you want to come over for dinner? Should be it, it should be interpreted as, "Hey, come watch my children, so I can go downstairs and just sit on the dad? couch." 
Um, I told them last time you guys went to Mexico, it was yeah, hilarious. That worked out. They believed you, too. I know they but did. But they were sadly, sadly to me, not sad at all about it. Oh, no, they were sad when you came back. Alethea had it all planned out. <laughs> Alethea's like, oh, no, my house, I'm running the show. Thank goodness I've been waiting for this my whole life. Um, well, he, uh, uh, in any case, there's uh, we got a picture of, uh, you know, me holding the kid, doing the radio thing, and uh, the child is less than thrilled to be sitting next to me. That's pretty clear and uh, and probably pretty standard uh, as well. So let's take a look at a couple of uh, of the responses that we got here on uh, on the Facebook. Oh, where, where am I at? Now, see, I, I sat here and I had it all set up for me, and now it's gone, Coulter. You know, I lose it all in, uh, in you know. I got it here. I, I can tell you okay. a couple give of us good the good ones. Give us the three top ones that you like. <laughs> Um, I think a couple of the good ones, one that's a, one that's a, just a pertinent one and uh, definitely one from someone that's been paying attention to the media in the uh, in town th- this week. Now from Eric says, Dad, you shouldn't have asked about last season. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't get the joke, um, Bobby Houck um, informed the media that there's no more questions about last season because no. they've been getting a mad nauseum. And, you know, on one hand, I, I mean, I think that sometimes, you know, that it was a harmless question that Dalton Z was asked. But on the other hand, um, I could get how you'd be tired of talking about the way that last season ended. If you're mm-hmm. Bobby Houck, he's been talking about it for nonstop for 10 months. So uh, either way, that was funny, though, because that is definitely somebody that, uh, that pays Very attention. Very well done, Eric. Yes. Uh, from Chad, how many diapers do these guys go through in a day? With then a follow-up reply because they're full of whatever you want. Guess what? Yeah. They're full of the things that diapers are full of. Yeah. It's yep. a good, I like that that's one. Pretty, that might be a winner right That's there. That's pretty good. Uh, and then uh, one from Eddie. He said, why does this guy smell like wings? Tommy, where's my wingy? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good, it's pretty good for a wing good it Wednesday faith, guy. Good faithful listener. Um yeah, I've uh, I thought there was a couple of good ones in here. Uh, a couple of them wanting to know. Uh, I'd like my. Why is this guy drunk in a bar on the radio? Please bring me a milk, no ice. Thought that was pretty it, good. Yep, that's good. Uh, and so there's a few in there. Uh, I do think. I do think how many diapers do these kids go through in a day? <laughs> do these guys go through in a day? Because it smells like, or what they say smells like. Mm-hmm. It's probably about right. It's pretty funny. Okay. Chad, congratulations to Chad. Excellently done. We will uh, we'll get in touch with Chad. We'll get him his pair of tickets to the North North Alabama and uh, Grizzly football game. Very well done, Coulter. As we get out of the college ranks for a little while, we're talking about a lot. The NFL season starts tomorrow, my friend. Tomorrow, Woo! NFL football. I've gotten into the best ball tournaments. These drafting, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, where you mm-hmm. do one draft and you leave it. I don't know. I got. I got to feel this out. The more fantasy, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Though, uh, in any case, I'm not going to bore you with the details of that. I'm just saying you got 24 hours left to get your teams drafted up. Um, Ezekiel Elliott made the news today. A six-year extension, notably, does not "quote unquote" replace the current contract, but it's 50 million dollars guaranteed, a seven and a half million dollar signing bonus a $13 million option after next season. And he is uh, guaranteed $28 million today at signing. The signing <laughs> bonus is twenty is, is 7 and a half, but then 28 at signing. Uh, he is guaranteed another almost $10 million 
uh, on the fifth day of the league year, which is like what the, the league New Year's in early March, so somewhere in the second week of March, uh, $10 million in 2021 and $12.5 million in 2022 uh, for being uh, on the roster or whatever. This is about a $13, $12, 13000000 million contract a year until the last couple of years where it balloons, interestingly to me, that it balloons there at the end, $15.5 million in 2025 and $16.6 million in 2026. Um, the guaranteed money is what you want to pay attention to here, of course, um, because it is uh, significant, $50 million. It is the... Richest contract in the history of the NFL for a running back. This is an extraordinary length of a contract, though. And I just don't, I just can't take it seriously. Because Ezekiel Elliott has touched the ball, I want to say like 28 or more times in 26 games the last two seasons. He's up in over 300 touches, I think, every year of his career thus far. Yeah, he has. Uh, no, he didn't quite have 300 touches in 2017. He had yeah. 278 touches. Okay. But in 2016, he had 354 total touches, and then 278. And then last year, he had 381 total touches. Okay. The, one, the one thing I will say this, too, there... There is only a very small sample size of guys that have touched the ball 375 times or more in a single season, and if they've done it twice in a row, it is the most tried-and-true form of erosion that we can find in pro sports. You look at guys like Larry Johnson, Jamal Lewis, Ricky Williams, Priest Holmes, 1,500 yards, 1,500 yards, done. Done, done, done. Let me tell you something. The, the money... The $50 million guarantee is a lot. The duration of this thing means nothing to me. The chance that Ezekiel Elliott is doing what Ezekiel is doing now in 2023, to say nothing of 2026 when this runs through, zero. It's zero. And that's not that he's not going to be in the league, won't be productive, but he is going to, he, he is a great running back. He is one of the top, Three, for sure, three, four running backs in the NFL right now. And he is never going to be in the top 10 in five years. Never. Will not happen. And the ability to, like, assign these dollar values to this guy in five and six years from now, and that somehow to be enticing when you can just be cut or released or waived or whatever at that time and then this money just goes away it just it just doesn't have any so of course they'll go yeah we'll give you 16 million dollars in 2026 sure no chance he's going to get that money no, no chance. chance no chance and so i mean you gotta this is the weird thing because the teams take advantage of guys own self-belief and every nfl player is well not me i'm rolling I'm good. I will get through, you know, I'll do whatever. And by the way, if Ezekiel Elliott is still producing, you know, 1,800 to 2,000 yards from scrimmage between running and, and passing in three years, why wouldn't you do the exact same thing you did just now? Go back down to Cabo. Because he quit, didn't quit, but he, he, 
held out halfway through his contract to get four more years, six more years on the back end. So why would you why would you ever think that he would even play through if he was still playing, you know, 2022, 2023, out to 2026 without having this whole thing come up again? So in any case, that's where we're at. Good for Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know if it matters. The 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 Dallas Cowboys, I think, Coulter, were the el- number 11 rushing team in football last season, even with Ezekiel Elliott mm-hmm. back there doing it. Um, I don't think that's good enough for Dallas. Definitely not. They're not a team that's a prolific or uh, passing team, and they're not going to be. They're a, they're a tenable. They're an effective. When they run the ball like they should be. They're they're a good passing team. They got Amari Cooper in there. They bring in a couple. I mean, you know, what's Randall Cobb going to do for you? Who knows? Well, they got a couple of guys, and Dak Prescott is a is a solid quarterback. That's what he is. It's a good quarterback. But they're not winning games through the air. They have to be, to me, actually quite balanced. They're they're one of the unique teams that that has to be kind of the old school of of for of, sure of of, of, a, of a nice. Mix in well, there. That's what I'm saying. Their passing game is only actually good if they are running the ball. Because Dak Prescott's not a seven-step drop, read the defense type of guy. He's a bootleg play-action type quarterback. And when Dak Prescott had his phenomenal first year, and the Cowboys won 13 games, it's because they had the best offensive line of football. And Ezekiel Elliott rushed for 1,650 yards. That's what made Dak Prescott so efficient. That's where he got 20 plus touchdowns and two picks was because of the run game. The dirty little secret of the Dallas Cowboys is that the offensive line, while they still have the three main stalwarts, they're just three years older now, and those guys have gone through a lot. I mean, Teron Smith had two different injuries that cost him big chunks of seasons, and he is still one of the best. But the, uh, when that year, when they went 13-3, and three, I thought Teron Smith, proportionally to the rest of the league, was one of the five best players in the NFL, and, and certainly the best offensive lineman in the league. He's still one of, but he's not... The unquestioned on the best guy. Travis Frederick has had some sort of weird disease that he's been dealing with, and that's had him be in and out of, of being 100%. And Zach Martin has been battling an injury for basically the last two years straight that he hasn't been able to get fully right. And so those are such huge factors for every element of the Cowboys, including this contract that Ezekiel Elliott just signed. Yeah. I said 11th, by the way. They were 10th rushing uh, last year. But yeah, they they have. They're a good team. That ha, that has a chance to be quite good, that I think is held back by their coach, and to an extent their owner. Uh, by the way, the producer is wanting to know well, who has a better chance of being with the Dallas Cowboys in twenty twenty three: Ezekiel Elliott or Jerry Jones? Well, Jerry Jones, if he's alive. So really the question isn't about the team. It's about, it's about is Jerry Jones going to be alive? How, how, I mean, Jerry how, Jones is so rich, barring some accident, Jerry Jones is going to be alive for 10 more years. Well, yeah. I mean, how old, how old is Jerry Jones? I Seven, mean, 78, something like that? 76? Jerry Jones, 76. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, he could maybe mid-80s. For sure, he could go that. Never way. once upon a time when the Dallas Cowboys were for sale for fifty million dollars. Actually, I don't. If only you could go back and buy, make that purchase. You know what? If they were on sale today for fifty million dollars, 
I still couldn't buy them. Well, I know, but retrospectively, how many people do you, I mean, the president of the United States now, he had a chance to buy them. And he said it was a terrible investment. I would never want that. <laughs> now they're worth like $5 billion. Yeah. <laughs> the steak business, that's the way to go. Sell steaks. By the Washington Generals of the USFL and then run the league in the ground. Uh, we digress. Is Antonio Brown going to be good this season? This is what you want to know. What do you think? Well, that's not the question. Antonio Brown is good and he'll be good. The question is, will Antonio Brown play? Well, he's playing. He got cleared today. No, no, no. I mean, he's going to play for now. He's going to play week one. He'll probably play the first month, two months of the season. But when is something going to happen where Antonio Brown says, you know what, it's time for another hot air balloon ride. Oh, it didn't land in time. Sorry, I didn't get there for the game. This is the type of thing that I'm... He hasn't ever really done that during the season, though. Yet. But it's... Am I wrong about the direction the needle is pointing on Antonio Brown and off-the-field narcissistic issues? It has gone up and up and up and up to the point where... One of the all-time leaders in the history organization, and they said, thanks, but no, we're good now. You can take your blonde mustache and go. And that is my my worry here about Antonio Brown. If Antonio Brown is on the field for 16 games, he's going to produce. You know, he's not. He may not be even a top five wide receiver, though he could be. I think he'll definitely be a top 10 wide receiver if he does that. But the issue is what's going to happen where Antonio Brown, what, what if what if the Raiders, and this is very likely, are three and eight, and no chance of making the playoffs, heading into you know end of November? You think Antonio Brown's going to sit there with his million dollar millions of dollar contract and you know put his heart and soul into the thing? Yes. Is he going to find a no? I do. I think that, that I think that Antonio Brown's misunderstood, man. I think that I think that what you're saying right now is the reason why I think Antonio Brown's going to have a huge year. Because so I think that everybody's hating on Antonio Brown, and I think that there is some justifiable reasons to question him. Because I do think that his, for whatever reason, Antonio Brown was in the spotlight because of his production in the fantasy football world, but he wasn't in the spotlight because because of his personality. For like his first five big years in Pittsburgh. He's on a string of seven huge years, right? The first five years, people knew Antonio Brown, the fantasy football player, the producer, the guy that's on the bottom line, but they didn't really know Antonio Brown, the character. And then he he did sort of play his way out of Pittsburgh, and I think that is a, a real concern. But I do think having a fresh start with a coach like John Gruden, combined with the fact that there is a national narrative that Antonio Brown took a step back last year and he's going to take another step back this year, Maybe it's a, a proximity bias because I have been watching Hard Knocks. Antonio Brown talks about this stuff. He says, sleep on me. Sleep on me. See what happens. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Antonio Brown doesn't say it. Everybody says it. I everybody says yeah, it. Yeah, I understand the difference between Antonio Brown and everybody else. Antonio Brown's straight up better than you. He He's unbelievable. I mean, Antonio Brown... At his best is one of the greatest receivers in the history of the league in terms of his diversity of the way he can play the game. No, this isn't in question. Nobody's arguing that point. What I'm saying is the older that he's gotten, and when he first broke into the league, undrafted, right? Am I right about this? 
Uh, no, he was like a six-round six pick. Okay. Very late. Maybe he'll make a team. No fanfare whatsoever. And he had unbelievable talent that was clearly mis-scouted, uh, not represented well. But also, he, he worked his backside off. And by the way, if you watch Hard Knocks, he's still working. No, oh, yeah. No, that, that, you know, the work ethic is there, and it's going to be there. But also, there's something when you come in as a rookie, as a second, as a third-year guy who was undervalued, underappreciated, and now all of a sudden you are starting to make a name for yourself, and all of a sudden you're being highly productive, and all of a sudden you're the number one guy on a stalwart franchise like the Pittsburgh Steelers and having looks every year at going to the playoffs and even Super Bowls. And and initially, that grind, you just you just keep your head down. People didn't know who he was because he kept his head down and, like, he, he didn't come in the number one overall pick, sure. you know, or first-round pick or whatever it is. Yep. So once he, though, got to the point where he was the unquestioned best wide receiver, certainly on his team, maybe, I mean, there's a couple of years where he might be the unquestioned best receiver in football. And See, I think Antonio Brown's been unquestionably the best receiver in football for the five years straight. No. That is that is not a fact. I, okay, I, you're right. DeAndre Hopkins entered the conversation last year. And Julio Jones was in the conversation for several of those years as well. He's he's in the conversation. He's not A.B., though, man. A.B.'s not Julio. I, I just think that the diversity of Antonio Brown's skill set is second to none. I think the diversity of Julio Jones' athleticism and size and, and skill set is second. <laughs> oh, trust me. I, I love me okay, some but, Julio. But all I'm saying is just not a questionable. It's a question. But right. he's right there. Point being is, at this point in his career, with all the money, at 31 years old, he's used to just being the man. Like, that's it now. The days of being the sixth-round draft pick from whoever knows where, that's all over. And I'm saying it gets weirder and weirder as you go. And fame and the money and all that stuff and the repetition of it, he he's working hard, and he is going to produce. But I'm just – there's going to come a point where Antonio Brown isn't playing football. Now, maybe he rides off into the sunset five years hence and has collected another 7,500 yards receiving and is in six more Pro Bowls. Or maybe he gets injured, or maybe his team is really bad. He finally gets into an argument with Mayock going public to the media with him. He keeps tweeting out photos of the fines that he's receiving from the team for not showing up to practice in the first place. And they go, you know what? Enough of this, because if it wasn't enough for Pittsburgh to keep him around, that says to me, maybe there are other teams who are not going to, who are going to be over it sooner rather than later with him. I think it's going to be a fascinating saga to watch. He is going to be good. If he plays and he's out there, he's going to be he's going to be very good. Cuz he is still he's got some stuff that nobody else has. His ability to create space to get to the football at at the last moment is unparalleled. It's, unparalleled. it's like un, it's it's, oh, it's unparalleled. It's like There's one I've other guy that's ever done it in the NFL. His name's Jerry Rice. And Antonio Brown is significantly faster. The thing is, DeAndre Hopkins is, is again, I mean, he's right there with the best wide receivers in football. His greatness is his ability to catch every football that comes his way. But his the difficulty, the, the, the degree of difficulty with the catches DeAndre Hopkins will make is, is, is not even inconceivable. 
But also, the reason Antonio Brown doesn't make some of those catches because he doesn't have to. Because he knows how to just maneuver it, get the little touch and hand out, and, and he, he catches everything clean perfectly every time. It's, it's, he's a surgeon. He's a wide receiver that's a surgeon. And I think he's great. I'm just saying, I think there's reason to question whether 16 games is on the board for this man this year. That's all I'm saying. We shall see. See. You got to go. I got to go. leaving us? I got to go. We're doing, doing a new little Wednesday routine. We're going to try it out at least. As everybody knows, the Grizz practice right when the show's on. That's why I was here. Uh, Ten minutes later, I had to go get Coach Alk. We'll share that interview with you tomorrow. It was great. He was funny. Uh, and they're they in practice right now, so I got to go get some players. We want to play some. Some players. Player interviews yeah, on yeah, this. Yeah. So I'm going to go interview Samari Torre and Justin Calhoun. So stay tuned for those as well. Okay. Very good. Colton, you go off to practice. Here's and also, my Wing Wednesday questions are coming up. They are about similar topics that we just talked about. Okay. Okay. Well, let's do it then. 329-1899. 329-1899. You call right now. Coulter's Wing It Wednesday questions. I still don't know the answers to these questions, so we'll have to look them up. We'll maybe get you know the producers in the back to find us the answers to the thing. I think you sent them out to us. So we will get those, but I can still be a lifeline for you, even though I'm asking the questions, because they're still Coulter's questions. You want Wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern? 329-1899 is the phone number. 329-1899. Give us a call. We'll do three questions. We'll see if we can't get you the best wings in the city of Missoula right after this. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home even when you're not. Alpine Touch has been part of the fabric of Montana for more than 60 years. Decades ago, Russell Street started selling his Touch of Magic in Whitefish. Years later, Alpine Touch's all-purpose seasoning remains a favorite. It's tailgating season, and there's no better way to spice up your grill before a Grizz game than with Alpine Touch. Go to alpinetouch.com now and use the checkout code ESPN10 for a 10% discount on your order. Alpine Touch is here to keep your mouth watering all football season. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel, ESPN Sports Center. High school football got off to a resounding start as several of Montana's top players had sizzling debuts last Friday. Carson Rostad, the reigning state Gatorade Player of the Year and senior quarterback at Hamilton, threw for 396 yards and six touchdowns to help the Bronx to a 49-26 win over Butte Central. Jace Klusowitz, who is one of the rising stars in the state entering his junior year at Frenchtown, scored four touchdowns, including the game winner in double overtime to lift the Southwestern A's other Bronx, that's Frenchtown, to a 27-24 win over Dillon. 
Missoula Sentinel standout Jackson Lee, a two-time All-State selection at Flint Creek the last two seasons, who has committed to the Montana Grizzlies, scored on runs of 46, 11, and 65 yards to boot the Spartans to a 65-15 win over Great Falls High in his class AA debut. And Tommy Mallott, a Montana State commit, threw for two, 332 yards and five touchdowns to lead Butte High to a 46-20 win over Belgrade in the first ever class AA game for the Panthers. The Pioneer League has announced its season-ending All-Star team on Monday. Three players from Billings, Grand Junction, Idaho Falls, and Ogden all earned spots. Only Missoula Osprey shortstop Leover Paguero made the team, and he's not even with the club anymore. Missoula in Billings for the last four games of their regular season tonight. First one. It is time for a Wing It Wednesday. This time without the person who had the Wing It Wednesday questions all put together. Very odd scenario in which we find ourselves, but we shall get through it. It is to tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris is at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. Online at KurtzPolaris.com. If you want to call 329-1899 is the phone number. All guests join us via the Rangage Brothers RV phone line. And we go now to that phone line and we welcome in Josh to the show for a wing it Wednesday. Josh, how are you? Josh, do we have you there? I can't hear you, man. You you, you can or you can't? There you are. Now I can hear you. Okay. Hi, Josh. How are you? Good to have you here with us. Not too bad, you. I'm doing great. Are you in, uh, where are you? Are you in Missoula? Are you out of Missoula? Are you around town? Where are you at? I'm sitting here at my house in Missoula. Very good. Uh, that means if you're in Missoula, you are in uh, close proximity to the... I'm actually watching you on TV. Well, what a deal. Hi. All right. Yeah, let me wave to you there. So here's the deal, uh, Josh. We got three questions for you. If you get all three of them right, you're going to get wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern and a shirt from the Desperado as well. If you only get two, don't worry about the shirt. We're still going to get you what you came for. That's the wings. If you need help on any one of these questions, I am your lifeline, okay? Does that sound all right to you? Works good for me. Okay, here we Boy, go. Boy, some chicken wings would really hit the spot. Tell me likey. Tell me want wingy. Now, Josh, are you enjoying watching me while listening to yourself on SWX television? Is that fun? <laughs> It's actually, di- it's a little different. Yeah, it's a little different. It's, it, it is a little different. One day we'll do it in person, and I'm sure it will be a much more familiar interaction. You know, as I understand, the, the, the media thing is a little weird, but I'm happy to have you here. All right, Josh, here we go. These are Coulter's questions now, so I only have the questions in front of me. I am your lifeline on one of these. We'll see what we can do. Here we go, question number one. Who is the NFL's active leader in receiving yards in his career? Okay, so that the guy who is currently playing football is how I'm understanding this. That has the most receiving yards uh, right now. Active uh, Antonio Brown, maybe. See, that would that would be my guess. And now I do. He, Coulter did send out the uh, the answers to this uh, to this deal. It is not Antonio Brown, though. Let's hold. Let's put in a placeholder here. 
Is I uh, see because we talked all about Antonio Brown, didn't we? And that was top of mind, and we had it all in our heads, and we said Antonio Brown. Let's come back to this. Let's do this. There are only three other active players, other than the one player who had who is leading the all time, uh, who have more than ten thousand career yards. Name two of them. Jerry Rice, active guy. Sorry, active. Oh, players. active guy. Yep. yep. Gosh, I don't really follow much of the new stuff anymore. Um. Well, I'll give you a hint. It's got to be one yeah. of the guys you just said. Who did who are you? Yeah, Antonio, I was trying to think of somebody else, though. So, A.B. is definitely it, but. one, but there's only two others. One guy who you definitely would think of, I think, is like, you know, you'll know who he is. Well, you'll know both of these players. I, I'm surprised at one of these. I have looked at the answer on this one, I must say. I can think of him, but I just can't remember what team he plays for. Can I use you as a lifeline? You certainly can. It would be a good thing now that I've seen the answer. <laughs> uh, the other two are Deshaun Jackson, which is somewhat, I mean, really surprising. You've been doing it a long time, Deshaun Jackson, but maybe not people won't have him in that category. And then uh, Julio Jones. Julio oh, Jones. Julio, of course, 10, the Falcons. So there you go. So that's there, there you go. There's number two. Here we go. Here's question number three. How many players have caught at least a thousand passes in their career. Are we going active players again? No, total. No, no. Okay. I think this is all time. Okay, so obviously Jerry Rice makes like a bazil- caught like a bazillion passes. Yeah. So yeah, just how many players? This is how many players? Yeah. This is this is a weird question. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to say fifteen. You know what? You're actually very close. 11 is the number. 11 is the number. I think it's a proximity get by you right there. And, uh, Josh, you've got yourself wings to the Desperado. Okay, my man? We're going to set you up with those things. You give the guys in the back your information. We'll uh, we'll have you out there elbows deep in sauce. Okay? Sounds good, man. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Well done. Yep. You have a good day, bud. Um, For those of you who are either yelling at your radios and your television sets right now or, you know, trying to think of it. The all, the, the active uh, leader in terms of uh, receiving yards, Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald. That stands to reason. That makes sense to me. I mean, you know, ben, he is, uh, well, he's just an all-timer. I think he's poised to have another pretty decent year myself. Anyway, remember five years ago when everybody's like, yeah, Larry Fitzgerald, done. Mm, just another thousand yard season. Just another thousand yard season after that. Just keeps it going. Unbelievable, man. Larry Fitzgerald. Love Larry Fitzgerald. All right. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll get back into uh, some football stuff. We'll hear from Dalton Sneed, the quarterback of the uh, Montana Grizzlies, talking about the game against South Dakota and what his role is in this offense and what he likes about it. Next. Coulter, you and I both know being healthy is a very, very important part of life. Am I right about that? Indeed, guess it is. Well, one of the things that makes me healthy, think you as well, fiber. Gotta have it. You sure do, man. You need to eat your fruits and your veggies, your bananas. You gotta get all that stuff in. Maybe even some bran. Plums. All of it. Fiber is very important. Well, guess what? Turns out it's important to communication as well. You might be surprised to learn that Blackfoot and its partners have invested millions of dollars, truly, in building a fiber optic network throughout Montana. Through Bozeman and around Gallatin County, more than 30 miles of fiber optic cable have been laid by Blackfoot. That's amazing. 
impressive, innovative, and a perfect place with the way Bozeman's been growing. Click on the link below, goblackfoot.com slash ESPN. They're not trying to sell you anything. They don't want you to do anything. They just want you to know what they're up to and how they're improving communication across the state of Montana. So go to goblackfoot.com backslash ESPN now. To tell and nuance on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Missoula. Yes, a Wednesday evening. And this night, this day, the fourth day of September, has this ominous distinction, which we're happy to have pass it as the last day, the last day of the NFL season not being active. Get it out of here. Packers Bears tomorrow from Soldier Field. Can't wait. Stu Tell Nuan is 1029 ESPN Radio. Outstanding to be with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope you are having a fantastic day. Thanks for spending some time on your radios, on your televisions across the state on SWX Montana. Thanks for being here. Good to be with you on the YouTube channel. Go check out the YouTube channel. Uh, to tell Nuanas, uh, search it there. You get us. Uh, that's easy enough. You can check it out on the stream as well. Oh, so very many ways. You can also listen on the podcast. Go check out the podcast every single day. Post it right after the show's over. You get the whole show on the podcast. Uh, the podcast available thanks to the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris is at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula Highway 83 in Seeley and online at KurtzPolaris.com. Um, wanted to talk a little bit more uh, with you about the Grizzlies and about uh, uh, their quarterback, Dalton Sneed, who, again, had a phenomenal and absolutely unbelievable day on Saturday against South Dakota, uh, a all-time day, in fact, for Dalton Sneed, 430 yards passing. That is his career high. 37 of 52. He did have the two interceptions, uh, but he threw uh, for three touchdowns. He rushed for another score uh, as well and was uh, just dominant all the way through uh, in that football game uh, overall. I mean, talk about 15 incompletions on 52 attempts. That's a very, very high completion percentage. Talking about, you know, 66, 70 percent. Uh, completion percentage, which is outstanding. But he uh, was asked a couple of questions uh, over the course of of the press conference on Monday just regarding playing uh, in this system and what it's been like here kind of going into year two. So most specifically, you know, coming out of a game like they had in a big game, a very productive game, especially in the passing game, what level of confidence does he and the rest of the team have offensively right now? I'd say as, as a whole, for the whole offense, definitely our confidence is definitely through the roof. Uh, we performed really well in the field, I feel like. Um, but just like Dante was saying, there's a lot of things we didn't do really well. So I obviously want to get those cleaned up. And um, it's a huge, uh, I want to say, confidence booster for the receivers, too, because, I mean, you go back and look, probably 350 of those yards are off, like Coach was saying, run pass options where I'm just kicking it out to the receiver and they're making guys miss getting yards after catch. So that's a huge. Uh, compliment to them and, and their ability to play on the outside. Uh, you know, 37 completions, uh, but as Coach Houck said, probably 20 of those were on RPOs. 
And so, you know, in a situation where it is an RPO, it's not a straight pass play. They turned out to be passes. But in an RPO situation, it's, it's, it's not unprecedented, but it's rarer that that becomes a deep ball, right? An RPO is usually works into the short and then occasionally the intermediate passing game. Not often are you sitting there and throwing the ball down the field, like really down the field, stretching stretching the field on an RPO call. So what Dalton says there is really valid, right, where he's getting the ball out relatively early, maybe a little bit on the move, and a lot of that is dump off, check down underneath type of stuff, and you got to rely on your guys to, you know, get to yaks. Right? Yards after catch. You got to go out there, take off, pick up some ground, break a tackle. It also is incumbent upon uh, uh, the quarterbacks. I think this is sort of an underappreciated or under-recognized part of the passing game. There's been a lot of completed passes that are made, especially in the short passing game, that have ultimately been really, really bad passes. I'm talking about you got a guy seven yards who's moving, and you throw it behind him or at him, and he's got to adjust, can't move in stride. Well, you put the ball where it's supposed to be. Now let your receiver go the direction he needs to go naturally, with speed, with momentum. That's when you can break out the big play. So it takes both. But Dalton Sneed giving it up to his guys on the outside. Again, Samari Torrey, nine receptions, 142 yards in this football game. Sammy Akem, nine receptions, 158 yards and uh, Jerry Louis McGee, eight receptions, 41 yards. Uh, Jerry, uh, not able to really break loose, but did get some nice possession stuff. He did have a couple of, of uh, uh, you know, he'll catch what is almost just a straight lateral. I mean, horizontal to the line of scrimmage, horizontal to the quarterback, which goes down as a pass and a reception that often goes for zero or even negative yardage. You know, you're trying to get Jerry Louis McGee in, uh, McGee in a bubble situation where he can pop out and kind of take off. That didn't happen. Give South Dakota qu- uh, credit. They were prepared for that, and, and they kind of keyed in on him. But it was to the advantage of, you know, the two other guys who between them had 300 yards receiving. Huge day uh, for uh, Torrey and Akem on the outside. Uh, the other thing that is worth noting, by the way, eight receptions for Jerry Louis McGee. He is now 10 away, 10 away. No, pay attention now, okay, because we're only in the second week of the season. Ten receptions away from becoming the all-time leading pass catcher in terms of receptions at the University of Montana. That's remarkable to to already. I mean, you think about some of the wide receivers that have gone through Missoula over the years, and you are, I mean, he's going to shatter that record by the time it's all said and done. I mean, he could catch, I mean, easily, right? He could catch 70 balls. And it's not outside of the realm of possibility that he catches 100 balls and breaks the record by 80 receptions. You know, I mean, that that is uh, uh, truly amazing. And this is a kid who hasn't even gone to the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, this is all regular season. It's amazing. So, anyway, Jerry Louis McGee, uh, phenomenal stuff. And he may well, Saturday evening, under the lights, break that all-time receiving mark. We will, uh, you know, pay attention to that if that comes to pass. Uh, Dalton Steed went on uh, to be asked uh, uh, just about his responsibility within the offense, within the flow of the offense, uh, playing you know for Coach Rosenbaugh and what it's like to have the responsibility of a run-pass option where you have to make the read, you got to make the right decision, and if the amount of decision-making and responsibility that is placed on him as a quarterback, if he enjoys that. Absolutely. Um, I think Coach Coach Rosie and then Coach Alec both uh, – 
put a lot of trust in me to make the right decision, which uh, that's why I love playing this offense is it puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback. But at the same time, it um, when they dial up plays that they make the reads so incredibly easy for you. It's it's an awesome system to play in to where you can just spread the ball around to whoever's open really or if they, they give you a light box, hand the ball off. So the offensive scheme is, is just awesome to play in. You know, it's interesting when he says it's fun to see when you when you're understanding what it is the coach is trying to do. And I think that kind of maybe it sounds a little too obvious like well of course I mean you're the quarterback you should you should know what the 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 the, the, the coach is trying to accomplish but not necessarily. I mean play calling is an art. It really is. And yeah, you got to scheme it up. You got to understand the defense you're playing. You got to, you know, put a great plan together, have the guys in place and all that. But then you also, the timing of certain types of plays, how the plays are going to go, uh, and, and you know, when you call them, where you call them, where you are on the field, where you are on the clock, all of that stuff uh, is, you know, it goes into the flow of it. And the coach isn't explaining the philosophy of why he's calling a particular play while he's calling the play to his quarterback. Well, he's calling the play to his offense. He's just out there, whether they got the hand signals or, you know, the yellow, the orange oven mitts, like they're directing an airplane into perch or whatever it is, all the different ways that we've seen to call plays over the years. But all of these things, you're not sitting there going, well, here's what I think. I think because it's third down and four, and the last times we've had third and under five that they've kind of jammed the box, so we're going to try and get them on a little misdirection, all that kind of that's not good. That's not being expressed. But when you have a quarterback and a coach that are on the same page, when a coach makes a play call, the quarterback just innately understands, oh, yeah, no, I get it. That makes sense. And the second full year in this system with this, you know, same offense, same offensive coordinator, and the way that they've gone about, you know, attacking these teams, seems like Dalton Steed really does have a significant comfort level, as does the rest of the offense, but Steed is the, as the, the field general, the quarterback who is making those decisions. And then... He also said, they make it pretty easy on you. Like, when you make the right play call, the read isn't difficult. You know, in some cases, the read is difficult. What am I going, okay, what am I going to do in real time? Got to figure it out. But in a, lot of, in a lot of cases, oh, maybe I'll just throw it to the wide open guy. Right? I mean, it, well, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. The quarterbacks, you know, get a ton of credit for all, you know, the effort and the mental side of it and everything, and that's justified, and there is a ton of that, but sometimes there just isn't that much of it. Sometimes you go, oh, I got the football, I should give it to that guy because it's going to be a touchdown. You know, sometimes that comes pretty easy, and uh, I think you see some of that uh, with Montana, and really, I mean, they did it frankly in the course of two quarters, in the second and the third quarter. They were They were stuffed primarily in the first quarter the Grizzlies were. And then once Coach Rosenbach, Coach Houck, and the staff, uh, you know, and all of them, I mean, give, give, give Coach Green, give Coach Germer, all the guys on the offensive side of the ball credit for figuring out what it was that the Yotes were up to. And then they had it. They were ready to dial up everything that they needed that they thought would expose South Dakota defensively, and they were by and large successful and put up a huge, huge day. I mean, 30, uh, 31 points. 430 yards passing, another, you know, 100 yards, 98 yards, I think, on the ground. Um, it's a big day for Montana on the offensive side of the football. Speaking of the fourth quarter, interesting in this game, right, all the scoring for both teams happened in the second and the third quarter. Montana scored on five consecutive possessions, but did not score in the first or the fourth quarter. But South Dakota also did not score in the first or the fourth quarter. And Coach Houck was asked, 
you know, about how this game kind of resembled some of the games that that he had been, uh, you know, associated with the first time that we, he was uh, you know, at the University of Montana, 31-17, and ball control and time of possession. He was asked about how important time of possession is or if that is still something that he values. This is what he said. Well, the fourth quarter was a thing of beauty. We had the ball for over 12 minutes, and I think we had it the last 6.38 or something. And, you know, that's dominance in the fourth quarter if there ever was any. And, uh, you know, that's something that uh, has been a point of emphasis, and hopefully we can continue to do that moving forward. 35-27, the total time of possession for Montana in this game, 24-33. So they, they held the ball for roughly 10 minutes more uh, than uh, South Dakota it did in this football game. But as Coach Hauk uh, pointed out, the fourth quarter, 12 minutes and 8 seconds. In fact, over 20 minutes in the second half in total. Over 20 minutes in the second half in total. Um, and that is, as he said, both a thing of beauty and dominance. And it is certainly worth pointing that out because for all of the woes that the fourth quarter was for the University of Montana last year, and the you know having a lead in the fourth quarter in ten of the eleven football games, only to lose you know, you know many of those games and end up going six and five on the season. Uh, the fact that it was thirty one seventeen at the end of the third quarter became even even though the game was well in hand, like you could feel the dominance and the control that Montana was in in the football game against South Dakota. You really could, and yet. When you look back to last season, and it's all the same, you know, coaches and most of the same players, many of the same players, and you go, oh, what is going to happen in this fourth quarter? Are they going to be able to hold on? Is the bugaboo, and now it's in your head, and are you thinking about that, and is that going to come back to haunt you? And it absolutely didn't. And they were, in fact, their best, at least in terms of ball control, time of possession, not giving South Dakota a chance in the fourth quarter. Down two scores. And the Yotes had the ball for under three minutes. That's not a lot of time to make up, you know, a 14-point deficit. Not a lot of time to do it. Montana deserves credit for it, and that is um, a good sign for Grizz fans. Very good sign, in fact, for Grizz fans that this is perhaps, um, you know, uh, uh, a brick in the wall of moving in the direction that you want to move, that you need to move as a program to make sure that you can finish out, uh, 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 finish teams off. You know, when it's when it's time, when it's game time down there in the fourth quarter. Boys and girls, a happy Wednesday to you. We'll be back tomorrow. Coulter will be in here. We'll have tons more sound for you for both Montana and Montana State. And, yes, we will get you properly ready for the Green Bay Packer Chicago Bear football game that kicks off the 2019 NFL football season. It's a great day. It is Christmas Eve. Yes, it is. It is Christmas Eve. Thank you very much. I'm going to go draft about seven more fantasy teams tonight, and I will see you uh, tomorrow uh, evening, tomorrow afternoon, and we'll do this whole thing again. Good to be with you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Thursday. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Tutel Nuwana's ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, YouTube TV, The Stream, and on the podcast. There you go. Fear inoculum, number one trending thing on earth right now, right? If I'm understanding it correctly, have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow.
Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 